Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook em up rolls on in our third hour of our five hour. Day conversation is going to feel like a Monday for a lot of you. you. Enjoyed the President's Day off yesterday, celebrating the Day of the Presidents. And of course, as we told you yesterday, it's an honor. Originally, it was an honor of Abraham Lincoln and George Washington's birthday. There you go. Both felt that both had uh, February birthdays. Memory serves. Abraham Lincoln was the 12th of February, and uh, our first president, George Washington, was the 22nd. Should be a couple days. So they third Monday of. February is your President's Day, so welcome back. Getting after it. Four-day work week now begins. Weather, beautiful, man. It's going to be warm and warmer as yeah, the day week goes on. You deserve a four-day work week every now and then. Maybe once a month we should guarantee the Americans get a four-day work week or a long weekend. Should do it once a month at least. You do holidays. Close, right? I think holidays, most of the time you get it, but it should be, yeah, we should get more of those. It's pretty close, isn't it? I mean, we get there. I mean, it, you get there through the holidays. We got enough of them. We throw in there. And then we got we have the unofficial holidays, right? We consider Super Bowl weekend like a holiday, so that's why Monday after the Super Bowl is you know the least productive, one of the least productive days in America because we're like, no, we take uh, we use sports to take unofficial holidays. It's March Madness, sure. right? We basically take half days for a couple Thursday of weeks. Thursday and Friday, yeah, yeah. For the <laughs> just kind of hanging days. out, yeah, yeah. You know, going to watch the games. So we do that. I mean, that's that's fun. I like it. Yeah. Well, and. Um, as we talked about yesterday, for folks who missed it, there is going to be a time, I think, in the, in the near future when the NFL goes to 18 regular season games. Oh, yeah. They add a bye week. And no the doubt. Super Bowl will be actually played the Sunday before President's Day. Oh, man. Just keep expanding that sports calendar. They just no, keep taking I mean, over more and more territory. Think about that. I mean, yeah. I think we're getting there. Oh, I mean, yeah. They're going to get that 18 game. That, that, that's coming. That's coming. That's that, already in the works. Yeah, that's, that's, they've been trying to negotiate that for the last – the uh, last two CBAs, they're going to get that. Yep, and they'll just shrink the, the – the season won't be any longer as far as games because they'll play two regular – two preseason games instead. It'll still be a 20-game overall schedule like it's been, right, when it was 16 games and four preseason games. They sold – you know, it was yeah, a 20-game yeah. package to the yeah. TV networks, or at least 16 games. But, then, yeah, now it would be 18 regular season games, two preseason, so still 20, um, and 10 for home, for home season tickets or nine for home season tickets. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, then you would, you know, you'd have to put to, to get the Players Association to agree to it. You'd have to give an extra bye week. You'd have to give a second bye week for the players to refresh. And that would push the Super Bowl into the third weekend of February. That's exactly what the NFL wants. And then President's Day is the next day. Everybody's always asked for a day off after the Super Bowl or put the Super Bowl on Saturday night so we're off on Sunday. Yep. No, I mean, I, I like the President's Day idea. I think that would work pretty well. And what, what would that do to the NBA? It's going to force the NBA to <laughs> abandon the President's Day because we'll be talking about the Super Bowl on that Monday or whatever we get into work. So they got to pick another weekend for their All-Star weekend. They're going to have to move the All-Star weekend. They used to own Christmas. The NFL decided, nah, we want Christmas. So the NFL is like a monopoly board, man. They just kind of well, buying up more it. and more property on the sports calendar. I mean, they own it. You know, we would come to work those days and do do talk radio, talk Super Bowl. But you know, if you're if you're not working that day and it's President's Day, all everybody's be talking about is the Super Bowl. Is it? You turn on the television, yeah. right? Yeah. So they, and that would be perfect for the NFL. Yeah, and, and like I said, the NBA will probably just move to the next week. 
Yeah, they uh, will. As their all-star weekend. They'd have to. They're, That's exactly they, right. Yeah, they can't. That would be irresponsible to try to compete with the NFL, and especially with the product that you have, which we'll talk a little bit more about because uh, we, we'll hear from Adam Silver because uh, that that clip, some, some people think he was joking or some people think he was serious, but either way, he's obviously mocking how bad the all-star game was. So we'll hear that audio after we get the update, and we'll talk a little NBA. All right. Uh, also, the question of when is something really bad good? That would be the Longhorn basketball game last night. The game itself was bad <laughs> as, well, far as, uh, as far as the visuals, but the win was huge. Let's get, to the, the, uh, let's get to the headlines, top stories on this Tuesday. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonico and bring you the news. Yeah, start with Texas hoops, and as we say, wasn't a thing of beauty at all, but in a big Monday home tilt that they absolutely had to have, the Longhorns held on for a 62-56 win over Kansas State last night at a sold-out Moody Center. Both defenses uh, on point and poor shooting combined really dominated the night, but uh, it was Dylan DeSue that rose up and led Texas to this victory. The senior forward from Pflugerville scored 20 points, including four big free throws and a dunk in the final 36 seconds to help the Longhorns improve to 17-9 overall. They're 6-7 and seven in Big 12 Conference play now. Major props to fellow senior Max Acemus, uh, senior from Dallas last night, scored just eight points, but a foul line jumper he hit early in the second half took him over 3,000 points for his career. He's just the third player in Division I men's history to record both 3,000 points and dish out 500 assists. Congratulations there. Next up for Texas, a trip to Lawrence, Kansas this Saturday afternoon. They'll face ninth-ranked Kansas, uh, the Jayhawks there, uh, 5 o'clock to tip time. And uh, Wednesday night, uh, the fifth-ranked Texas women are back in action. That'll be tomorrow at Moody Center hosting Texas Tech. Longhorns on a six-game winning streak right now for Vic Schaefer. Also last night in the Big 12, how about the uh, top 10 matchup down in H-Town? Mainers, Jamal Shedd, tremendous. The senior guard scored 20 of his game-high 26 in the second half to lead the second-ranked Houston Cougars to a 73-65 win over sixth-ranked Iowa State. Move win, Kelvin, move, win moves Kelvin Sampson's Cougars into sole possession of first place atop those Big 12 standings at 10-3. and three. Uh, baseball, early season continues tonight for the 16th-ranked Longhorns. They'll be back at the dish, welcoming Houston Christian for their fourth game of the year. First pitch set for 6.30 tonight. Also tonight, Texas State is going to travel up uh, I-35 to Fort Worth to face TCU in a good midweek matchup there. In racing, long at long last, the Daytona 500 once again belongs to Hendrick Motorsports. William Byron took the checkered flag yesterday at the rain-delayed Great American Race after he took the lead on a restart with four laps to go. The win snaps a nine-race losing streak for Hendrick. Uh, last Hendrick driver to win the Daytona 500 was Dale Earnhardt Jr way back in 2014. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new Buta location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, so uh, Adam Silver, <laughs> he was pre- like basically presenting the, uh, the winning trophy, I'm assuming, or at least he was congratulating the winning team in the All-Star game. Uh, and he made a comment that a lot of people are diving into or analyzing at this time, maybe overanalyzing, um, that, that shows that maybe he wasn't too happy, that he was very displeased with the All-Star game product. Here is Adam Silver. 200 points scored. And now, Adam, you uh, have something for the winning team. Well, thank the, uh... you, Ernie, for first of all, to the city of Indianapolis. Thank you for the fantastic hospitality. To Herb Simon, he's owned this team for 41 years, the longest standing governor in NBA history. Thank you very much, and to your son, Steve, as well. And to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this trophy is yours. 
All right, you got it off. You scored the most points. So there you go. All right, was he just being was he being lighthearted? Was well, that in, see it was too. that in jest or was he being serious in his disappointment of the All Star game? I think he's serious because I think I mean it was not a secret that he had he had met with the players and, and asked the players, look, let's put on a show here, let's show some competition, and um, they really didn't listen to him. He spent, according to uh, an article from ESPN. Um, he spent months stressing how Sunday's All-Star game needed to be better than last year. Um, and he, he declared that it would be, and a lot of people turned out, you know, now they think it was worse, and they think that they're regressing in terms of the product that is the All-Star game. Larry Bird, who was – and Larry Bird had – you know, he doesn't – he's not very vocal. Um, Larry Bird didn't come out and do a lot of interviews, but apparently he was doing a lot of interviews – uh, before this All-Star game. We've played some Larry Bird sound um, on the show already. We played it yesterday. And who said that? Listen to Larry Bird talk about, uh, this is, I believe, before the All-Star game, talk about the what the players need to do in terms of representing the game and being ambassadors for the game during the All-Star weekend. The one thing I would really like to see is they play hard tonight in this, uh, uh, tonight in this All-Star game. I think it's very important. When you have the best, the best players in the world together, you've got to compete, and you've got to play hard, and you've got to show the fans how good they really are. So I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm enjoying mine. Have a good All-Star game. They let Larry down. Uh, <laughs> it was, they did not play hard, and they did not, they, they did not showcase the best players in the world. It was actually pretty sad. Well, you know, I mean, Larry Bird, he doesn't know how not to compete, right? I mean, it's like one of those oh, things. If he's on a court, he's playing. sickness. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's really, I mean, it's hard for us fans to watch. And as we said yesterday a lot, you know, if you clearly don't care, why should I care? I mean, why? then this is what Adam Silver is fighting against because it's, it's just, it's apathetic. So the fans are apathetic. I'm like, well, you don't care. I don't care. I mean, it's like, and, and you know, that's, that's not too much to ask uh, for, the, for the salaries that are being paid. I understand they don't want to get hurt. But as I said, even even the, the the Kobe Shaq era with with Iverson and those guys, they would at least play the second half. I mean, they they do all the three sixty dunks and tomahawks, mess and, around, you know, throwing it off practical the backboard, jokes, which and is stuff. fine, right? Yeah. I mean, have some fun with it. We all get it's a it's an exhibition, but then when it matters to win the game, let's buckle down. You can give us twelve to twenty four good minutes of basketball. That's not too much to ask. And you know, guys like Kobe, guys like Larry Bird, they wouldn't they don't know any different. They don't. Uh, speaking of Kobe, uh, we got a clip from the late great Kobe Bryant of him, I believe, describing the the All-Star game. And this is this is back when at the end of Kobe's career when he started to watch the kind of deterioration of the All-Star game culture. Uh, here is uh, what Kobe Bryant had to say. I think the All-Star game in general needs a little revamping because it used to be competitive. Yeah. It used to be competitive. And, like, you know, fans want to see the best pickup game in the world. Yeah. Like, that's what this is. They don't yeah. want to see you running up and down and dunking and doing all this crazy, like – they want to see the what happens when you get this collection of best basketball players on the planet and they play and they go head up against each other. Man. Yeah. I mean, you guys play harder at a pickup game in UCLA. For real. And ain't billions of people watching. For real. Definitely do. You know what I'm saying? Definitely do. They got uh, turn the All Star game needs a little needs a little changing. Um, I always love competing in them. Um, I didn't lose many of them. Nah, me and CP one, used to nah, talk all the time. The ones. You took it serious. Yeah, we, yeah. we went in. Like, I don't think me and CP, when we played together in the All Star game, I don't think we've ever lost a game. Yeah. <laughs> 
you go. So he, 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 he's keeping up with it because he's got that competitive sickness. I always talk about it. That's something that Kobe Bryant he had. And these days, I'm not saying the guys don't have it, but they don't exercise it like Kobe and like MJ used to. And they they used to actually they were proud of that that competitive sickness. The guys right. these days, sportsmanship as is a really big priority for these guys and they get along and they you know they they're friends and they're friends before the games and friends after the game and that culture which was established back in the aau culture because they have social media and these guys you know they, they they form relationships and bonds and connections way earlier in their basketball lives and development than the old school guys so the old school guys actually had competitive angst and they had a competitive spirit they want they they, they didn't, they didn't want to work in collaboration they wanted to be in opposition yeah, to right. one another they had adversaries they had an arch nemesis. These guys don't really have that. It's just a different culture of basketball player these days, and that doesn't lend itself to a competitive all-star game, period. Well, and as this text says, I said it yesterday, and I agree with this text 100%, these NBA players are going to kill the goose that lays the golden egg if they don't watch it. Look, I mean, we'll, we'll hear Steve Sarkeesian say it a million times. This, I mean, the thing, you know, football coaches or coaches fight against is entitlement, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, the guys in this year's Texas team have done nothing, right? It, you can't just show up and have the Texas uniform and think you're last year's team, yeah. right? The one the Big 12 championship and played in the college football playoff. You got to earn that. Um, you know, these guys, the, the, the interest in the game uh, in the NBA and these all-star games and, and just their, their salaries themselves were created by Kobe Bryant and the players before them. Yep. That's what led to the interest. That's what led to the big TV contract. That's what leads to these beautiful arenas. And if you don't treat the fans right with respect, they're going away. They just are. And you can't be that entitled that you don't have to put on a show. That you don't have to show up and play uh, on a night when a guy got the guy you know bought, buys the tickets for his one game of the year that he's going to take his kids to, and well, I'm going to take some load management off. Yeah. This stuff accumulates, Rod, it does. to where the fans are just like, okay, look, if you don't care, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll tune in in June for the NBA Finals, I guess. But man, that's about it, and that's a problem for the league. Um, I don't know. This is why Adam Silver, I do think, was legitimately frustrated uh, or angry because it, it's a problem. I mean, the, yeah. the, the players have to understand this isn't just given. I agree. you got to earn the fans. I mean, that's why the NFL's growing. I mean, the fans, you can agree or disagree with going on in the NFL. But they, the NFL, the, play, the fans trust the product. Yeah. They, they, know, they know it's going to be a good product. It'll be competitive. They show up and ball, man. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, we see it a little bit in college basketball right now that because of the transitioning and, you know, players leaving early and then transfer portal, you really don't know who the stars are and um, people don't even really tune in until March. Well, the NBA is going more and more that way to where – all right, you know, if you're going to, you know, I mean, Adam, Adam Silver's trying to force these guys to play regular season games at a, to that's a number. season tournaments about, It's like, come right? on, that's why, that's, why they, that's why they put it in an in-season tournament. They want yes. these guys to compete, hopefully, for an in-season championship, and that's just another way to try to incentivize competition. But I agree. I mean, I think it's uh, – Over time, that will kill the Golden Goose. Yeah. Because I, the entitlement of the players, like, we don't have to do this and we don't have to do that. We've got guaranteed contracts. Well, those can go away. And you'll 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 kill the game for the future players. I I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, and, and as I, you talk about the sports ecosystem, Rod, it's a. I mean, there are a lot of sports out there that are looking for eyeballs, looking for interest that fans huh? can choose to, you know, to spend their money on. Yeah. yeah, it is a lot more competition now. So I I, I know the the All Star Game is crazy that we're having this conversation, but have Stephen A. Smith said he thinks they should get rid of it. Yeah, well maybe. So now we're at that point now, and I remember we were at we were at that point about the Pro Bowl, 
and then I remember the NFL decided when they agreed, yeah, actually, this is a bad product. This is reflecting badly on our brand. We got to get rid of our all-star game, or we got to tweak it and change it, which they have now. And I wonder if the NBA will get will come to the same conclusion if they continue to the product continues to regress and get worse and worse. Well, for the NFL, it was just kind of a luxury item, anyhow. I mean, it was like you know, getting rid yeah. of one of your one of your still, one of your boats. It was still getting it was still getting higher ratings sure. than most of the other All Star right. games because the, the product in the NFL is strong. But right now, I think I think the All Star game problems are, you know. Indicative of the other problems in the yeah, league. it's a it's yeah it's a it's a microcosm and it's a symptom of larger issues. Yes, which yes. which Adam Silver is trying to deal with. Yeah, and again, the game's never been more popular globally. The game of basketball has never been played oh, yeah. more than it is right now around the world. That's while your your best players and MVPs right. are and, uh, international players, right? So <laughs> it's just how you market it. And again, uh, the, the the TV show of the NFL dominates all, so you can't even compare it to it. But you you do have to foresee issues coming i think the nba is trying to deal with them but the players have to get on board with this i mean the the, the adam silver can only beg them so much to well, he did he that's why he begged lebron i need you to embrace his in-season tournament yeah. so so it's not a so it's not considered a laughing stock and so the young players don't mock it and so they actually want and they they consider it to be something that they need to not only prioritize but it's a goal of theirs to win the in-season tournament and then there's a rite of passage that's passed down and we saw this we know that it works because if lebron james had participated in the dunk contest at any point, the dunk contest wouldn't be what it is today either. Yeah, which well, is uh, it's not a rite of passage, which it once was when MJ and Dr. J and Kobe, all the best players who, who decided, all right, part of my journey to be the goat will be through the dunk contest. I'll win that, then I'll go. You know, what I mean, there'll be an individual. I think you're right. It was one point that, and it, well, it's not that anymore. And I, I'm, not, I'm blaming LeBron strictly for it, but LeBron could have helped that. No, for sure. Uh, to keep it the, the, you know, to, to give it the cash, the elevation, the cool element. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I also <laughs> say this. I mean, when you was talking about resumes. You know, how, how many times a player was an MVP in an All-Star game was a big deal? Like, cause, it cause, used to, to be. Kobe's point. Yeah, it used to be. Well, if you show up at the best in the best pickup game in the world and you're the MVP, yeah. that's a big deal. It used to be. Um, because I, I, I outshined all these dudes. Yeah. Um, you know, Dame Lillard wins the MVP, and that's, a, that's an honor he has. And he but, won the three-point competition, too. Actually, the first one since Michael Jordan to win yeah. a competition and the MVP of the game. Yeah. So, all hopefully. right, good stuff. Uh, we'll take your thoughts on it, and obviously we'll flip back to some football because today is the day. Uh, that franchise tags. This is the uh, four, three o'clock this afternoon is the window for NFL teams to assign franchise transition tags uh, beginning today through March 5th. So we'll talk about some of those numbers. Uh, Oz for Texas basketball last night, Rod. Uh, again, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't super pretty. I mean, the, the first half of last night's game, uh, you almost wanted your, your money back if you were oh, at the man. Moody Center. The two teams combined to go 20 for 62 from the yeah. floor. They Bad. 20 of their 62 shots. They were 3 of 22 from three-point land. I mean, it was a brick fest for exactly. 20 minutes. Yep. Uh, second half was a little better. Uh, but in the end, you know what? We said this earlier. This is how K-State plays. K-State holds Big 12 opponents to the lowest field goal percentage. Jerome Tang knows he doesn't have a, you know, a very dynamic offensive team. So muck it up and make it ugly. And he, they drug Texas into their kind of game, and Texas won it. And they won it largely because of Dylan DeSue. Uh, I think I think mainly because of Dylan DeSue. <laughs> yeah. uh, filled up the stat sheet, 20 points, eight rebounds, two assists, had three steals, had a block. I mean, he's going to be an all – he's going to be a first-team all-Big 12 selection. Uh, he's been – he's their identity right now. And that, that's actually not a – it, it, it is a good thing because Dylan DeSue can handle it right now, and he's been consistent all year long. Um, but they need to establish a, an identity and a brand of basketball. And right now it just seems like they, just like in this game, 
they they allow the terms to be dictated to them and the tempo of the games to be dictated. They they react to other teams' style and brand of play because they don't really have their own. And credit to Dylan DeSue, he's so damn good at every level, <laughs> right? Uh, both ends of the floor, he can score in you know a myriad of different ways. Last night was from the free throw line. He was ten of eleven from the free throw line. Um, so they, he is really malleable in his game and what he can offer. But they they need better play from their backcourt. They need a better start from their backcourt. Their backcourt really last, I mean, in the last two games actually has kind of put them in a hole uh, with their slow starts. Tyrese Hunter and Max Asmus, and shout out to Max Asmus, what he did. I mean, you know, being the 12th player, what to score 3,000 points, and I believe he was, you know, one of three players, as you point out, to also have 500 assists with that. I mean, he's. He's a great player, and congrats to him. But the slow start, they started one of seven, he and Tyrese Hunter. Uh, they looked like they their legs were a little bit worn out. They just Those slow starts are killing Texas. And the guard play right now is killing Texas. Well, that's right. I mean, there was a stretch here, you know, when they put in that four game, you know, six games against ranked opponents and went four and two, and you thought, okay, uh, or three and three. There's an opportunity. This team does look like they're they're ascending. Uh, yeah. You know, they're figuring out how to integrate Dylan DeSue into what they're doing, make him their lead character, and then play off of him. But the guard play, you're right, has just the last two games has I don't know, seemingly collapsed. Yep. And now is that just because you're playing Houston in their backcourt and K State in this long athletic defensive backcourt? Because the last two games, Tyrese Hunter and Max Aston has been flat out bad. Yeah. I mean they, they've been, they've been I mean they got overwhelmed and outclassed in a bad way against Houston on Saturday, um, and Jamal Shedd and L.J. Cryer just ate them alive. Uh, and as we said yesterday, you can't lose the backcourt battle that badly. I mean, you can you can get outplayed, but you can't lose it that bad. Yeah. That's that's not going to work. And last night, you know, we were expecting a bounce back game, and they combined to go six for twenty. Uh, they combined for for you know sixteen or seventeen total points uh, in this game. That if they're going to be any factor, those guys have to be better because because yeah. if you get those two going. Because, because, because I've yeah. said, you know, consistently you know what you're getting from Dylan DeSue and you know what you're getting from Kendall Weaver. Uh, game, and, and I guess you could even say Dylan, Dylan Mitchell. Mitchell. I was yeah. going to say, Dylan Mitchell's, Dylan Mitchell's actually, the second-leading yeah. rebounder in the Big 12 right yeah. now. Yeah. Dylan Mitchell's been pretty good. He's going to frustrate you with some turnovers. Mm-hmm. He's going to miss some shots that he bring, be taken. He's going to bring energy, though. Yes. Ends. So those three things spark. are consistent. Uh, really what is inconsistent is what you get from the bench and what you get from those two guards. When those two guards are at least one of them are cooking, mm-hmm. you've got a chance to be a pretty good basketball team. When you don't, man, it's, it's a struggle, and that's, that's why the fact that you won that game last night with those two guys having you know, both sub-10-point games, uh, that you just take that victory and, and get ready for Kansas this weekend. Yeah, Dylan Mitchell, eight points, ten rebounds, two steals, two blocks. You're yeah. right. He, he, he's a spark. He really is. He, he, he's a spark and athletic, too, on both ends of the floor. So I like what you said about Kendall Weaver, too. Yeah, you're right. Those are probably your three most consistent pieces that will show up every night. We know DeSue is. You need the backcourt to to help you offensively provide some balance. And they are undersized, and they can get overwhelmed by bigger backcourts, which is in the case the last two games. But you got to commit. And I think they competed last night more than they did against Houston. I thought in Houston they kind of oh, yeah. gave in to that physicality in that Houston team. But that's not the first team that they've done that to. Let me just say that about that game. That game was awesome last night. I was more, much more interested in keeping an eye on that game because that was, that was number six against number three. That was for the first place spot in the Big 12. Yeah. And Houston came out, as usual, in that building at the Fertitta Center and were on fire, took a big lead. I thought Iowa State was going to come back and, and win that game. Uh, that's a good team. That Iowa State team is going to be a problem for people come March. They can really play. But, again, uh, Jamal Shedd is a guy that can not only be up for Big 12 Player of the Year, he can be up for National Player of the Year, the kid from Maynard. He was awesome last night. He kind of wills his team. Kelvin Sampson says he's like a, an extension of the coaching staff on the mm-hmm. floor and just makes big shots. And with L.J. Cryer, with his quick shot and his ability to fill it up from the outside next to him, 
uh, and their their interior size and and you know their their, their attention to defense. Houston's a national championship contender. They really are. Yeah, because they have an identity and a style of play, a brand of basketball. Everybody knows what it is. You know what it is going in. They're going to be physical at the rim. Uh, they're really skilled in the backcourt. And they, you know, they play ferocious defense. So they, they have a style and a brand, and I think that identity helps them. Uh, night in and night out. It does. I mean, you it, have to you have to match their intensity. Well, they absolutely major in defense, and yeah. uh, it is it'll wear you out. Yeah, uh, if you don't match it, you get overwhelmed by it, like Texas did. Every player is is committed to it uh, yeah. when they're on the floor, and it really begins and ends with Jamal Shedd. I mean, he is he is such mm-hmm. a catalyst for that team, and that was fun. That was a fun game to watch. And Houston gets the win. They're now sitting at ten and three. They're the first team to ten wins in the Big Twelve this year, and uh, don't Very those, impressive. And remember, they're, those, they're 10 and 3 in their three losses. The first, they, they lost their first two road games in the Big 12. Mm. But they haven't. Now they've kind of. I think Kelvin Sampson got it. Okay, guys, this isn't the uh, American Athletic Conference anymore. We got to go. bring it. Yeah. Got to bring it Every on the night. road, too. Every night. Their only other loss is at Kansas, um, you know, a couple, a couple Saturdays ago. So uh, good stuff in the Big 12. Longhorns will be at Kansas. Longhorn women with six straight wins. We mentioned Vic Schaefer. Man, what a job he's done since that loss to Oklahoma. They've reeled off. Remember when he was so angry at his team and he apologized to the fans and he said this is not acceptable at the University of Texas. They've reeled off six straight wins, and uh, they got a chance to host Texas Tech tomorrow night. So we'll talk more about that. Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. Uh, got some thoughts uh, um, I, I, I read something yesterday I want to ask you about, Rod, from uh, oh, yeah. a tweet from Mike Golick Jr. Mike Golick Jr. Like with some that. interesting thoughts about the Longhorns and their upcoming football season. We'll get into that. Plus, we'll be at the turn coming next, halfway through our five-hour Tuesday conversation. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let The Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. It is at the turn. We're halfway through our Monday, our Tuesday conversation. It feels like a Monday because of President's Day yesterday. Nine holes out, nine to go. I'm brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Man, this weather, this spring-like weather we're going to have this week. Get over to Callahan's. Talk to them about the... Uh, the yard situation, Rod. You know what's coming. Uh, spring will be here. You've got those weeds you're going to be dealing with. And, uh, you know, your yards come back to life. Time to uh, trying to get it going and energize it with our friends at Callahan's General Store. Not That's just right. the products you need, but the people to help you do it properly every single time at Callahan's General Store. They'll guide you uh, to make sure your yard is looking golf course ready year-round at Callahan's General Store. And, yeah, the golf, we talked yesterday, Rod, that it was a uh, – it's kind of a dud of a weekend. It was supposed to be a, a centerpiece event with a Genesis uh, Invitational out of L.A.'s uh, Los Angeles' Riviera Country Club. And it was star-studded, but it didn't. Uh, it kind of fell apart because Tiger Woods got sick, had to withdraw with, the, with flu-like symptoms on, Thursday, on Friday. Then Jordan Spieth got disqualified because of a scorecard error. And apparently he was dealing with the uh, bubble guts, the bubble guts mm-hmm. and like, came off of 18 after a double bogey and had to run to the bathroom like immediately, like get me to the locker room. Or I'm not going to make it to the scorecard room. And then when he came back to the scorecard, kind of in, in, in hurried fashion, he, he signed a, uh, a wrong scorecard, which, of course, led to the fair debate of his. Is that really a rule? Do we really have to have that a rule? Everything's electronic now. I mean, it's all posted. I mean, we know what his score was. He wasn't really trying to cheat. It's a digital age. Come on, It's a digital age. We could do better. But so, so Jordan Spieth didn't play into the weekend. Scotty Scheffler still can't putt. And in the end, it was Hideki Matsuyama uh, winning the event. Uh, fair to say for the PGA Tour is they, you know, the ongoing con- you know, controversy with Liv and the Liv Tour. So far, Rod, they've played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven events. 
and the the shortest odds to win an event was this past weekend with Matsuyama at sixty to one. It's been a wow. bunch of long shots winning their events. Almost, I mean, the average and the you know when you tee off the the, the odds to win the event, the the average so far is like two hundred to one. Wow. I mean, you've had a you've had Nick Dunlap and Wyndham Clark and Grayson Murray and Chris Kirk all winning these events, and now Matsuyama. The big names are not winning the events, and I know a lot of the big names are now playing on the Lift Tour, but even the ones that are left, Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy. You know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, they're not winning these events. It's uh, kind of some, some lesser-named guys, which isn't good. So the West Coast swing is over. They're done in California. They're headed to Mexico this weekend for the Mexico Open, and then it'll be into Florida for the Florida spring uh, swing into March. So uh, looking for some big names to start winning some of these golf tournaments, Rod. Yeah, it's about that time. Come on, man. Yeah, man. That's, uh, it's a shame, though, about Scotty. Scheffler. Oh my gosh! It's just that's that's it's it feels like a a, a curse. It feels like he's cursed to be it, well, and it, and to a, be that elite in well, every aspect of his game except putting. Well, and to me, this was the biggest fear because you know he did go to work on it this off season, and the fact that he did that changed his putter, got a new coach, and he's come back and it's even worse potentially. How the now heck? you're kind of spiraling. Because well, now it's yips. Yeah, now, now it's all it's mental. Like, it's all mental, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I, I, that's, that's crazy that he's that bad at putting. I cannot believe that it's possible. Yeah, I mean, we said this yesterday, but the eight misses from inside of ten feet, eight. Uh, he had, you know, eight misses. One was two feet six inches. He missed. He had a putt that was three and a half feet. He three putt bogeyed it. <laughs> that's that's jabroni stuff. Well, well, actually, it was a nine-foot putt that turned into a three-foot bogey, a three-putt bogey. Yeah, um, that's what Rod B does. If I'm out there, yes, and like, that, I'm, and I'm terrible, and it's really, really frustrating for Scotty. So, I, and it's just, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, he, he's, he's a mental coach. I, I was say, I, I mean, I wonder. He has him. Well, he has a sports psychologist. Yeah, he's he's big time. Like that's number one golfer in the world, right? So he's got he's got all those people around him helping him, and it ain't it ain't it ain't improving his putting. That's amazing. That's a, uh, I feel bad actually for him. Because I, I think psychologically for athletes, you know, once you get into that kind of funk, um, you can kind of become your own, own worst enemy. 100%, especially in something as, as, as delicate as putting. Yeah, you become your own worst enemy now. And, yeah, I mean. It's, well, it, you've seen it. You're a professional athlete. I mean, it's uh, when you lose confidence. Well, it happened to me, too. I, I mean, I'm not Scotty Scheffler. But I had great hands in high school. I swear I did. I had a – Mac Brown would always say I had a great – I played wide receiver in high school. I, I, there's, there's video of me making one-handed Odell Beckham-like catches. Come on, man. In, against Texas City, a really good team. No, I was really good. And I got to Texas. I had a few plays where I had drops instead of PBUs. And then it became like a thing that Robbie has bad hands. And I would acknowledge it, and Mac Brown would always say, don't do it. Don't. Don't be self-deprecating about that," he said. "Because you are—it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You keep saying you don't have—you have bad hands, and you're joking about it," he said. "But subconsciously, it's working against you." Yeah. And he would always say that he'd be like, "Don't joke about it." He'd be like, "Nobody catches the ball on my side of the field, not even me." And he'd be like, "Yeah, it's funny, but he say you're—he said you actually—it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and as an athlete, it's a negative one, and you shouldn't put that—you shouldn't plant that seed. It is impressive. In your subconscious, and that's kind of what's going on with Scotty Scheffler. Hundred percent. It had nothing to do with his skill. My my bad hands had nothing to do with my skill level. It was it was psychological. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, it is credit to his mental toughness that it hadn't affected the other parts of his game. I mean, because yes. he still bombs yeah. it, and it's got to be the talk of the locker room because everyone knows if he could get it in, in shape, oh, he'd be winning all these tournaments. It's the talk of everybody. He'd be winning all these tournaments. Every trainer, every support psychologist he sees, everybody wants to talk about his putting, or they want to, or they. Run a kind of dilly dally around it, yeah, and be delicate. Because literally, it. if he were putting average, he'd be winning these tournaments. 
He'd be on a record-setting pace, He'd probably right? have three wins already, you, maybe four. You're talking about he'd be like on record-setting yeah. pace. Yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. based on everything else. All right, there's a little at the turn halfway through our five-hour show every single morning, brought to you by Callahan's General Store. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, a couple of uh, articles I want to get to and also a couple of uh, nuggets about the upcoming uh, draftees uh, that the Longhorns have coming out in the NFL draft. Uh, so I want to talk about this uh, tweet I saw from uh, Jim Nagy first. Jim Nagy is uh, one of the uh, basically director of the Senior Bowl. He's what he is. He's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. But he's been a long-time scout, so he does a lot of uh, scout. At least he used to do a lot of scouting work. So he's got an evaluation eye. And this is what he tweeted out about Tavondre Sweat. And apparently he's been big on Tavondre Sweat uh, from his performance there at the uh, the Reese Senior Bowl. He said, quick Senior Bowl uh a quick senior bowl rap to show um, – he's talking about wrapping up like his evaluations – to show why Texas nose tackle Tavondre Sweat shouldn't get out of the first round. He said, interior D linemen with rare size and overwhelming power simply don't grow on trees. Um, and he's showing a clip of Tavondre Sweat. Remember that Arkansas uh, offensive lineman Bo Lemur? Um, that he basically drove back and ended up pancaking that dude. He's showing that clip. Uh, and he says, everyone knows one-on-one drills are money makers during Senior Bowl week. Tavondre Sweat showed he's more than just a two-down run stuffer. Guys who are 6'4", 365, usually aren't this quick, nimble, and nifty. Dudes like Tavondre Sweat don't go on trees. And he said, if, you're a fav- if your favorite NFL team's defense needs an immovable anchor, then you want Texas Tavondre Sweat. Nobody in this year's draft has Sweat's tools and upside. If you think he slips to day two, remember who the league is paying big money to in free agency these days. I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you guys that if you look at the highest paid defensive players from last year, top 16, eight of them are interior defensive linemen. If you look at the top 12 highest paid defenders last season in guaranteed money, half of them are are interior defensive linemen. They're paying more than ever for interior defensive linemen, especially the kind that can be force run defenders on first and second down, and that can become a a high-level pass rusher on predictable passing downs and on third down. Tavondre Sweat does project to be that kind of player. Also, if you go look at the modern NFL, just a little football theory, I've been telling you guys this for a while, more and more teams are playing Two high shell coverages, which means they're playing two deep safeties. Numbers, basically, in, in football, all right? It's a numbers game in its most rudimentary form. You can't play two deep safeties and load the box. You have to play with a light box if you're going to play with those two deep safeties. More and more teams are playing with two deep safeties to defend the pass with numbers, which means you need a defensive lineman that can either demand a double team, they'll flip the numbers advantage in your favor, or you need a defensive lineman that's so massive and so gargantuan in size that essentially they take up more than one gap, which Devondre Sweat does. So I'm telling you, Devondre Sweat is one of those guys whose whose draft stock is definitely going to increase. I don't know what he's going to weigh in at. If he weighs in at something like 370-something at the combine, yeah, then he's going to drop in the draft. But if he can come in at anywhere in the 350 range, 
and some even want him lighter than that just to show that he can shed that kind of shed those kind of pounds, keep the power. His playing weight's gonna be three sixty. When he gets to the league and he plays, he's gonna be at three sixty. That's his playing weight. We're not talking about performance weight. And that's a different weight at the combine and when at, at pro day. So they want to see him lighter for that. But I'm telling you, just the the, the situational circumstance of the, the way that football is currently being played and the way that defenses are being and game plans are being constructed, that guy's in a position to make a ton of money. Yeah. Now, and not with just the first the first contract of the draft, but his second contract when he's proven himself to be a force run defender and equally a valuable pass rusher. Well, and as Keep we, that in mind, as we tie it back to the Texans, I mean, the Texans and the, and the Cowboys are sitting there at 23 and 24. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams could, you I mean, you know, uh, D'Amico Ryans, if we pound on the table for defensive linemen. I mean, he's got Will Anderson last year as his pass rusher, but he needs to stuff the run better. And who better than this guy? I mean, you got to be good on the interior, as you just talked about. And then, you know, we talked about Byron Murphy potentially to Houston. I think Houston yeah. and Dallas are both. I mean, Dallas fans are going to be like, what is, you know, we took Mozzie Smith last year. Well, you know, it'll tell you what they think of Mozzie Smith if they were to go D-tackle again. <laughs> because I can see him doing it in the second round Yeah, if, if Tavondre Sweat drops. But basically, Jim Nagy's telling you Tavondre Sweat ain't, ain't going to be there. He ain't going to be there. Because they're hard to find. Second round. Exactly. You cannot, you cannot coach the size and, the, and the, uh, the quick feet that he's got, the power, natural power, which is uh, impressive. You know, I, like, I like Jim Nagy a lot. I'm trying to get him on the show. He's, he's really a good conversation. He, really he knows is. so much. And um, i got to tell you, just based on my observations – I think a, I think AD Mitchell's going to be in a first rounder. Um, just the way I know it, wide receiver is a, a deep position. It is every year. I think it's the deepest position in football at any level. I've been saying that for the last five or six years. But if you go look at it right now, um, I think he, he when he runs a forty, which I think will be for him. Some people are saying he's going to run four four. Wow! If he runs four four of any kind, he's guaranteed to be in the first round. And I, if and I'm hearing more and more that that's his range, that he's that he is a four four guy, and if he runs a four four with his film showing that body control, uh, showing his catch rate, his ability to contort his body uh, in different ways, and his precision route running ability, I'm I'm starting to become more and more confident. Ad Mitchell will indeed be a first round pick, and if that's the case, guys, you're talking about potentially three Longhorns in the first round because Byron Murphy. Based on every mock I've seen, and I'm a, I'm a mock slut. I'll pay attention to any mock. I haven't seen a mock where he's not in the first round. So Byron Murphy's a first-round pick. If Jim Nagy's, Jim Nagy's saying that Devondre Sweat's going to end up trending toward the back of the first round too just because of how unique <laughs> the combination of size and quickness and run-stuffing, pass-rushing ability that he has, and I just broke down why D-tackle is so important – then that's two, and I think A.D. Mitchell could make three. So they could have as many as three picks in the first round if this offseason and the, the combine go as well as expected for, for all those guys. Um, and, it's, and, that, and all of them, in my opinion, will increase their draft stock in the, uh, at the combine. And there's talk. I've seen a few mock drafts that got J.T. Sanders. Yeah. Because Brock Bowers is going to go so early. Yep, top as 10. A, as a, yeah, exactly. He'll go top five, top 10. And that if you want a tight end, there's a precipitous drop off between the first and second, actually between first and second, but then also between second and then the third best tight end in this draft. And if you want a tight end, you may have to trade up and go get JT Sanders. So uh, I'm just saying right now it's trending toward being two to four potential. Longhorns drafted in the first round if number. everything goes right. 
be a yes. big number. And yeah. you'd, have, you'd have two rising juniors in J.T. Sanders and, uh, and Byron Murphy and, of course, Devondre Sweat, uh, you know, super senior. and Three-star guy that came Yeah, three-star. Yeah. And, uh, and A.D. Mitchell, who came to Texas from Georgia to get into a higher-octane passing offense to yep. showcase his ability. And uh, um, all would have paid off for sure. And I'm looking at a, at a uh, mock draft from Yahoo Sports right here, Rob, that has the Houston Texans at 23 taking Byron Murphy, yep. defensive lineman, Texas. The Cowboys, the next pick, Amarius Mims, the massive offensive tackle out of Georgia. And I don't think that would be a bad pick at all, no, by the way. They need O-line help. They'll probably, it won't be a sexy draft, Cowboys, because you'll probably be taking O-line. Meat and potatoes. In two, yeah, I'm saying two of your first three picks. But you might get a running back in there, too, which that, that's kind of sexy. wanted to read this to you, Rod. Mike Golick, Jr., of course, uh, the son of Mike Golick, they both played at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. he, he was uh, interesting tweet yesterday. He says, watching Caleb Williams versus Arizona. So he's doing his draft scouting of mm-hmm. Caleb Williams. And it says, watching Caleb Williams versus Arizona was reminded how much that Wildcats defense kicked ass. Went up to look where their defensive coordinator ended up going and saw the rich got richer. And he's got the, the graph of Johnny Nansen, now the co-DC here at Texas. Uh, he then followed that up with even more Anthony Hill Jr. pass, rep, pass rush reps Upon this rock, Texas will build their church. Yeah. Interesting. I see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, watching Johnny Nansen's defense get after Caleb Williams. Yeah. Moving that guy around. Yeah. Movable, yeah, movable piece. Um, and, well, they, and, and I mean, they're bringing in Trey Moore. So they'll have an established edge rusher with Trey Moore coming in from UTSA. Colin Simmons will be in. So they'll have a prodigy at, uh, at, at, at edge to be a pass rusher. Um, don't forget about uh, Ethan Burke. Who ended the year really, really good. I mean, he was one of your better kind of natural pass rushers. I think Ethan Burke could take a huge leap this year. And then there's Baron Sorrell. So you won't have the, the, the strength of your defense be the interior, the guts of that D-line like it was the last two years. But the truth is your edges should be way more fortified. And they should be way more impactful. Um, and they should be making a lot more splash plays and creating a lot more pressure than you have in recent years from the edges. Last year it was coming from the interior. This year it should come from the edges collapsing that pocket, and hopefully that leads to more splash plays on the back end. Those are the two things that got you beat this year. Lack of pressure, lack of coverage. This year, those should be strengths. Coverage and pressure, Just to, the, the pressure should be coming from the edges as opposed to the interior. Yeah, I do like the idea of Anthony Hill becoming just a weapon. I mean, just, you know, solidified everywhere else. That, that, that guy, go get quarterbacks. And we saw him when he, just as a baby mm-hmm. this year as a freshman have impactful plays. The Alabama game, impact. I mean, uh, I think he can, you know, uh, I like the way that's put. And I like the way you just said it. I mean, this, this, this team, you know, should be solid in a lot of, a lot of places on defense. And there's a, that can be a difference maker right there. Yeah. Because he's just a different, different beast. Yeah, and it, you, you should be able to move him around. Now, the ability to move him around will come from, from confidence that you have uh, another linebacker that can also stabilize that linebacking core. 100%. And so, so that's going to be big this, this spring. Who, who steps Johnny up as another linebacker? You Johnny Nansen's yeah. coaching them linebackers. Yeah. You got uh, Benda in there uh, as a young linebacker, but you got a lot of those other guys, uh, Leon LaFowle's a guy they really like at linebacker. Um, so that if they want to move him around, you better find a stabilizing force at that other li- off-ball linebacker spot. We'll come back when we do. We'll go off the record a little bit. Stories you've probably missed but need to hear. It's a fun, fun segment for the end of the 9 o'clock hour. Also, Rod will have another rant of the day coming up in our next hour. It's uh, rolling on. Hang, hook them up on a Tuesday. Off the record on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. D.D. 
Magadudu, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a brain to head comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh boy, I'll tell you what did suck last night. The ending of the Incarnate Word Texas A&M Commerce game, Rod. Mm-mm. Man, a brawl. Remember, uh, earlier in the year, Rodney Terry made headlines when he got uh, upset with uh, was the Central Florida players doing the horns down in the layup line. Mm-hmm. Thought it was disrespectful. You were disrespectful. And, you know, that, one of my thoughts was, you know, that can, that can lead to issues. You know, people are... Because it's true. Horns down is kind of like flipping somebody off, and then they, right after a loss. And I think Rodney was, yes, he didn't like the horns down, but he also didn't like the uh, the scene because it can hey. lead to. Hey, B.Y. Uh, d- punched somebody in the face once for doing horns down at a strip club. So. Did he really? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, he got in trouble for that. Punched a dude in the face. Yeah, well. Got a lot of street cred. Don't do horns down in front of B.Y. He takes it seriously. Well, you're, in a, you're, doing a hand, uh, you're doing a handshake line, and somebody just won, somebody just lost. There's there's. He just played a 40-minute basketball game. Well, apparently down in uh, in San Antonio at Incarnate Word, they lost. Uh, the home team lost. And uh, I'm going to play you. This is not Craig Way on the call. <laughs> but this is the Incarnate Word radio broadcast of a really ugly brawl that broke out in the handshake line after the game. Commerce won it uh, 76-72. Er, Here's how it sounded from the, uh, the radio broadcast. And with – oh, no, this is not good. This is really not good. We've got punches being thrown. This is really bad. Oh, my goodness. Really bad. Team fight. Coaches in the middle of it. Wouldn't be surprised. Someone got a nick on the face there. A what? Nick on the face? This what? is on the not face? what you want to see after. What? That close of a game. It has been a great game. We've got everything going on right now <laughs> well tell us everything what's going on. going on we still have guys running after people hey. where's kevin harlan when you need him seriously oh my. someone in the crowd here? was hurt and hit all right okay so there you go somebody in the crowd they, 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 somebody got late. nicked in the face we know that somebody in the crowd got hit so this go. is really ugly not to make light of a bad situation because oh, there'll no. be suspensions and maybe some some like kick off the team kind of things going on here but um how, was how, how do you stay so calm uh, Wouldn't you be a little bit excited? Too calm. I know. It's like there's a big old brawl it's going like on right brawl. in front of you. Come on, man. Give me some of that emotion. I need you to that emotion oh my to gosh. translate oh my to gosh. the gosh! You hit him in the face. You hit him in the face. This you, is your chance to go viral, and now everybody's like, man, that's, that's a boring fight. Do you all oh, think man. that this is one of those where, like, the commentators are at one of the ESPN little facilities not on site? So maybe they didn't no, get No, this the, was Incarnate uh, Word. This is Incarnate Word College. I'm assuming. You know how they right do a lot of games side. like that. Yeah, though. they do. They do them remotely. You're right. It's a good point. I didn't think about that, Ty. That, that could be a possibility. I didn't think about that because, yeah, you're right. Maybe that's why they weren't emotionally involved in it. But either way, they missed their chance to go viral. That would have been a great call. It was a melee, man. It was, it was bedlam. Get up, man. That could have been really cool, but it wasn't. It was kind of lame. Pretty but, lame. But the fight was for real. There was. I mean, it was. It was like 90 seconds of them fight. Yeah, everybody was on the floor. Coaches trying to break it up. There were punches being thrown. They just did not do a good job of describing the visual. They didn't, they didn't get it to us. Yeah. You guys uh, ever been in a big bar brawl like that? Or street brawl? I've been in a bar fight. Yeah. I've, I've been not. in a big bar fight yes. before. That's yeah. scary. It is scary. I was in there with like O lineman and D lineman too. Wow. <laughs> it was like human beings were like flying, like being thrown. It was crazy. It was on a bar downtown too. I'm like, that's all I'll say. But it was some of. 
some of the greatest O linemen and D linemen in Texas football history Throwing people? on my side. So like. I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the hell the rest of y'all are thinking. Y'all are stupid. Why would you want to fight them dudes? Home human beings were being thrown. Was this Roadhouse? I, it was. I'm sorry. I remember people being thrown over my head. Like, what the hell was that? That's it awesome. was wild. That's awesome. Yeah. We escaped. Oh, this happened in a basketball game. All right. Uh, you were on the right team. I was on the right team. I wasn't worried. I was worried about the other group. I was like, man, that other group will be in trouble. I hate to see them injuries. Yeah, good stuff right there. We'll be back. Ron will have another rant in the 9 o'clock hour. Talk more Texas hoops. The big win last night. Also, uh, some other issues of a Tuesday. Talk about with the Enrod Bay. 1019 AM 1260. Stream it on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.